Hello and welcome to Voice Club. Wow, I'm excited to share this. Nora Bateson is an award-winning filmmaker, writer and educator, as well as president of the International Bateson Institute, based in Sweden. Her work asks the question, how can we improve our perception of the complexity we live within so we may improve our interaction with the world? An international lecturer, researcher and writer, Nora wrote, directed and produced the award-winning documentary An Ecology of Mind, a portrait of her father, Gregory Bateson. Her work brings the fields of biology, cognition, art, anthropology, psychology and information technology together into a study of the patterns in ecology of living systems. Her book, Small Arcs of Larger Circles, is a revolutionary personal approach to the study of systems and complexity. She travels between conversations in different fields, bringing multiple perspectives into view to reveal larger patterns. This is without doubt one of my favorite conversations so far. So Nora, it's really as easy as that. Now there are these cameras recording us and we're recording our voices into some microphones. And after just meeting each other, we're now going to what, have some kind of conversation. And the thing I always find interesting about that is feeling a way into a space of authenticity, despite the fact, or maybe, you know, almost taking that as part of the fact of a process of a different kind of authenticity, almost. It's adapting to a new container, adapting to a different context. And, you know, all I can say is I'm really happy to be doing this with you. I'm delighted. To, to share this time. So really, thank you for being here with me. Well, likewise, Tim, it's really great. Um, and I love your setup here. And I'm just remembering, you know, as a filmmaker, when I got started, the kind of equipment that I had to lug around and to think mm -hmm. that this is just the way we can do a studio now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just how easy it is, how light it is, how it's not cheap, but it's not nearly as expensive mm -hmm. as it once was. Mm -hmm. uh, and what sort of different conversations and how differently we are actually able to engage with mm -hmm. things like public discourse now and how that's changing the tone mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about authenticity, mm -hmm. this, you know, the equipment in, you know, sort of Marshall McLuhan uh, words, the medium is the message and the medium is now that much more familiar and accessible and therefore the sort of production and the, the being in this medium is also able to be more familiar. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely notice finding a certain familiarity in it. There's almost a freeing sense, I feel, Yet leading up to it, there's an anticipation which feels a little bit disjunctive. Almost perhaps as though, I mean, preparing for a sport game or something like that. I always wonder about football players training. And I wonder, do they play their best football in training or do they play their best football on the pitch? And it's like, well, on the pitch is where it really matters. And so in some sense, that's, that's the thing, you know. Um, but what is how much does that container enable a certain kind of something and then how do we make sense of what takes place in front of the camera 
relative to the various processes and ultimately the context in which we're embedded, which is our lives and those things we care about and those things we aren't aware about, which are having influence on us and some broad multi-level gestalt of this world that feels sometimes strange and absurd, but ultimately something that we love and want to see somehow better itself to be in a to be in a loving relationship with and finding the orientation in that space is is strange it does feel like some kind of does feel like some kind of new frontier you've done a lot of these um, appearances over the last few months I've I've noticed online of future thinkers as well as James's the gloaming podcast and I think a few others emerged with Daniel Thorson as well who I've spoken to a few times What's been the catalyst for you sort of taking that kind of um, a bit more of a public facing? You've always been a bit public facing. You've, you've done plenty of things and you've spoken about them. But there seems to be, in my, to my feeling, there's a bit of a development recently among a few kind of avant-garde type intellectuals who are sort of stepping forward and finding each other there's like a there's like a sort of a complex systems thinking approach underlying much of it there's mm. this emphasis of the importance of context and importantly relationship mm -hmm. and there's this sense of a gathering of people finding each other for what we're not sure and that's almost the wrong question to ask apart from when voiced in a certain contextual way mm -hmm. so i wonder why do you feel drawn to be speaking at all in this kind of setting uh, the why is is more difficult to mm -hmm. get to mm -hmm. than the sort of what's been interesting for me around this is actually finding a voice mm -hmm. and um you were saying that you had watched my film last night yes and uh there's this sort of hilarious history to that film mm -hmm. uh which is that um it's a film about my dad and so much of the film is about I mean, it's about systems thinking, it's about complexity, it's about interrelated, interdependent systems through this lens of a father and daughter relationship. Okay, so there was no way to really talk about those ideas without getting into the sort of first rule of second order cybernetics, which is that you have to observe the observer. The observer matters. Okay, so then I, as a filmmaker, was in a bit of a conundrum with that process of how do I have a voice here? And what is that voice? And of course, you know, go looking into this, the genre and the oeuvre of documentary films and narration processes and this and that, and they're all very disembodied. Um, and they aren't vulnerable. Mm. They, you know, the, the, the process of talking about science or philosophy or ideas has been specifically about not talking about intimate, personal, emotional vulnerability mm. and, and through those stories and through that, even just the, uh, the tenderness of the human voice, mm. um, and the spaces between words where you don't know what you're going to say like those are important that's important information okay this is the warm data this is the warm data so how do we tell this story and include the warm data when what's going to happen is we're generating a different set of tonalities and expectations 
from something that was once called an audience. I don't know if it still is. We don't know. That's mm -hmm. debatable. Um, but changing the rhythm, changing the texture, changing the tone so that that set of meta messages that really are so close um, can begin to bubble up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't even know what they are. Mm -hmm. So I have to make space for them. Mm -hmm. And this is not how you do media. This is not, it should be scripted. It should be concise. It should be tight. It should be whole. It should be, you know, you're supposed to have the dirt. You're supposed to have the denouement. You're supposed to have the, right? And, and that's not how I did it. And in order to get there, there was this process. Probably the most hideous collection of embarrassing moments ever for mm. me. And they're all recorded. Really? <laughs> yeah. You feel oh, they were God. embarrassing? The ones oh. that made it to the cut? No, the ones that made it to oh, the you cut. You had to go through quite a few. I had to, okay, I yeah. had to practice, you know, yeah. because I didn't know what that voice felt or looked like. And I didn't know how to be in it. I didn't know because it's it's at the same time um, an intellectual process as it is an emotional exploration, as it is a cultural lostness. Mm. And these things are happening simultaneously in the sort of particular alchemy of of me. And if I take the me out, there's no alchemy for it to happen in. And you can't get there. So. So in a way that discovery process has been ongoing around finding, finding a voice. Um, and part of that is recognizing that that has to be um, a voice that has room to learn in it. It's not like a shtick that I can just dial in turn on and turn off um i hear you yeah i hear you i really do i think that's um throughout your words there i feel um i felt like a resonating pulse because there's something about one of the, one of the most radical ideas I think I can begin to articulate is really referencing, is articulating this notion of what is it to be off script, mm -hmm. but nevertheless from an intention of authentic betterment of self and society, self and context. You mentioned this notion of space between the words mm. and the space in, therefore also before the words we can drop in and in some important sense not know what's going to come next but there does seem to be a mode of orientation that a mode of being that if you allow yourself to drop into it is simply what it is and there's something very vulnerable about that and we've spoken just previously about this something to do with this relationship between vulnerability and exposure because in some sense it's not clear what's going to come up and I would suggest that when we're speaking from that space 
some of the we could take you know the dynamics of the unconscious for instance as one level of analysis which is really like a cluster of different sorts of patterns which permeate our psyche and have mm -hmm. an embedded history in our evolution and well what are we going to say about that metaphysically well that's all of a sudden an abstract conversation but we feel these things out and we aren't necessarily aware of what we're being born along by but we know or at least we feel, it seems to me in our moments of most aliveness, that we are deeply involved in whatever the flow and the turn of that meaning is. Yet it can feel so much like we are a, a tiny little boat with very little orientation on these massive waves. And so there's a vulnerability in that. What is going to come up? And just what role am I playing here of, of the many? Mm -hmm. And just what is the context in which that role is drawing itself out and the future itself is sort of unknown but sort of bravely we're looking to be in a way that we can what um, feel in an in, in, in integrous relationship with at the end of the day that that we that we did what we could mm -hmm. without holding something back which may have been a which may have been like a little um, bead of truth there that perhaps if it had been spoken may have oriented something a different way but all of a sudden then we're getting lost in the abstract and you can only speak what you can speak at the time and, yeah. and it gets so complicated but certainly there's this vulnerability to going off script but at the same time a congealing of these cultural forces that seem to be willing that there seems to be it seems willingness to happen it seems there's a necessity for us to create together ways of being in the world which are not pre-prepared, which are not planned in advance. Mm -hmm. You know, Jordan Hall might refer to this in that kind of what well, we might use the language of game A, mm -hmm. um, the story of civilization so far, a sort of a top-down imposition of a kind of narrative in order to keep people more or less functioning in a predictable way together. Um, and let's not challenge that at all because all of a sudden, whoa, how are we feeling psychologically then in this, in this strange world? How do we step out and, and, and build something which might have somehow a, a love for itself and the other more core there, closer, closer to the heart somehow? Anyway, these ideas are powerful. So I think for me, this is really... a, a, a important piece because um well because i'm coming into this from another angle and that the the way that i was brought into this sort of body of work around complexity and systems thinking before i read all the books and did the academic work it was actually just how I learned to live life. It was how the conversations went at breakfast when I was a toddler. Okay, so, so when I first set out to make that film, um, I went to the Bateson scholars in the world and the people who were working in complexity and systems thinking in all the different, you know, sort of professions and, and parts of the world in which that has uh, gravitas and said I wanted to make that film and people said it can't be done because these ideas can't be put into that form and the thing is is that I was coming to those ideas from a different direction and that direction was one in which they were lived and 
I, it took me a long time to really recognize that that was something that I had to offer. There are a lot of people who are able to deliver a particular kind of tone and, and um, aesthetic of versions of what complexity and systems thinking and sort of, um, you know, from the formulas to the jargon to the uh, various theoretical principles. Um, and one of the things about that is that if it's not lived, it's still over there somewhere. It's, it's something you're talking about. And what I'm really interested in is that, that within of how to, when you're within that, when it is the, the deep mode from which you respond in the moment off script with your kid, with your spouse at breakfast in traffic, dealing with the tax guy, like at that level, what questions are you asking? What's bubbling up? So it's not like, and since I'm sitting in front of Tim, I'm going to be the complexity girl. And then as soon as I'm off camera, I'm going to be a raving bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> and That's my plan. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been done. And, <laughs> and so I think that, that for me, that's really important. And when I was um, kind of finding that voice in, in this world, which incidentally didn't really exist. Uh, it's really, like, like you said, it's really become a thing. Mm. We, we have a community now. Mm. There is an urgency. There's a, ta you know, we're, we're in, we're surfing on the same wave now. Mm. We're, we're together, you know. Mm. Uh, but, but back in, you know, 09, when I wanted to make a film about complexity, everyone was like, what? And the, the documentary um, film companies, just they just said, there's no way we can sell this. What is it? Is it personal story? Is it science? Is it philosophy? Is it, is it activism? Is it, what is this? And I was like, yes, it's all of those things. And why should they be separate? So if we're talking about how we're gonna bring these things together, the voice and the, the deep impulses around which this defragmentation um, becomes expression, becomes lived, mm -hmm. that's key. What does it look like to be in complexity and not be talking about complexity, but to be responding to it with, you know, like I said, with my, with my kids, with, with the, lady at the restaurant with the whoever it is that I'm in conversation with um, so I think that I'm really glad we kind of got off on this pathway because sometimes I feel really underestimated and I feel like there's almost a kind of competition a sort of sports trivia game night of how to kind of bat around the jargon mm. and you know and i can sometimes be criticized for not doing that but what 
those people don't understand is that in the stories that I'm telling, all that theory is there. If you can see it when it's not in the prose of theory, when it's in the poetry of story, you will see it. But it's that recognition of seeing these, these principles and these patterns in life and then living into them or living into them and then seeing them or some sort of, I don't know where the beginning and the end of those two processes are, but, um, but it's a big shift from the whiteboard and the PowerPoint and the, the, the competition and the, um, the forming of an identity mm -hmm. that has status in a particular set of communities to look, this is, we're just living life. And when you live life and you, you know, you're looking at these principles, even right down in your sexuality or your, uh, you know, it's not, it's not really how you do the easy moments that counts. It's how you do the hard ones. How much complexity are you bringing in then? Mm. Yeah, that's very, very beautifully put. Something that's come to mind as a way perhaps we can orient this exploration is um, in virtue of the appearance of fear in experience in our bodies because I'm interested in many things but I'm interested in what are the psychological mechanisms we can use psychology of course we know we're talking about more things what are the what are the stimulus response relationships what are the conditionings which um, preempt or, or uh, have us slip into a kind of, um, well, in in the language of um, the documentary I watched last night, it's emphasizing this relationship between parts and then also relating to the whole. So what is it that has us come to divide the world up into parts again so that perhaps we can uh, protect or keep some of our identity a little bit more stable mm. so that we can be functioning in this space for perhaps the competitive batting back and forth certain intellectual terms as they apply to a particular subculture that may be doing some very good theoretical work in a particular set of con in a particular context which might mm -hmm. be bridging um, many different levels of analysis but has somehow just removed itself a little bit from really including the observer in that just for the purpose let's say of a rational discussion where i'm in this position and you're in that position but it's like oh okay what am i like is are we protecting something is like it seems to me fear is involved like it is playing an important role and we can break that apart in so many ways i just wonder what your response might be to a question like to what degree does fear, maybe trauma, but take it any way you like, to what degree does fear make it difficult for us to be in a more contextual relationship with being? I don't know, in a word. <laughs> I guess the reason I, I, I want to just 
put that in that frame of just, I don't know, is because I don't know where the edges are or if it's worthwhile to make edges between different emotional, identified different emotional states. That's very interesting. And, um, you know, we have a vocabulary and a language and a culture that loves to divide things and um, and remembering that there are very different emotions possible to describe in other languages mm -hmm. and also recognizing that I don't know can you have fear without love without joy without hope without hopelessness I mean how can you separate hope and hopelessness so there's you know there's something about that sort of meme around fear that I kind of get allergic to because it wants to create a binary that there's some land without fear in which it would be more advisable to be having your responses. But, you know, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. My feeling is that, that when I'm afraid of something, it's actually it's probably telling me something mm. about what my relationship is to that context mm. that's useful. So um, maybe the, it, you know, it, it's all feeling very, um, very matrix, very inception, very, mm -hmm. very, we are the fish in the water, very, you know, how to, yes. how to get, out of the system when we are the system sort of yes. that whole that whole block of ideas is is really um i think it's tricky to get at when we're dealing with this thing that we call psychology because um i don't i don't know how to with any kind of um complexity in mind how do you know where the edge of you actually is? And, you know, I, I just came from this beautiful mental health conference that was on data and mental health. I thought I was going to probably die there because, you know, the mental health system is so screwed up and the world of data is so screwed up. And I thought, oh, my God, we're going to bring these things together. And this is get, like my version of a double ducker nightmare. And um, and actually, it was fantastic. And it was fantastic because there was sort of in the room this question of how are we knowing what we know mm -hmm. about any of this? And to have come this far down the decades of evidence and research and development of, of you know, this, this institution mm -hmm. um, and, and science of what is mental health and the great minds that have put their work into it in lifetimes and still be able to say, I, I don't know if we know what this is. Mm -hmm. And recognizing right now that in order to deal with mental health, um, we're going to have to be talking about a lot more than people's state of mind. And, and so, then you're back in context and, and trans contextual process. Like how do you, how, I mean, you, you can't separate family and economics and 
politics and media and housing and culture and education and you know all of this sort of world of of you know memes and identity and tonalities and you know this idea that I, I can I have to stand up for myself and my you know all of these things come in and create these labyrinths of context and then to think that we can somehow get those grapes out of the wine look at them and analyze I I think that we have to always pause there and being around a lot of um, self-help work um, and I mean I, I come from Northern California and I've been around a lot of that and with all the best intention which is one of those words um, there has really been uh, a feeding of the ghost in our culture that wants to eat memes. Okay. Oh, I would love to hear you extrapolate on that. That sounds very, very interesting. And it's driving me crazy. Actually, it's just driving me crazy. And, you know, I just feel that there's so many places that I go working. I work in lots of different directions. So working with people in the climate activism, working with people in the world of reconstructing what business and organizations could be, working with people in mental health, like I was just saying, working with educators, working with kids, working with um, uh, people thinking about economics and how to restructure economics, and working with communities, working with race issues, working with gender issues, and um, oh my god, that's all I can say. It's just it's a river of memes out there yeah it is and um i i find it uh it's it's really difficult to get out of the memes and there's this punk rocker inside of me <laughs> it's just you know in the words of the ramones i'm against it <laughs> i just <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just ah and i i feel like I go from, you know, gathering to gathering. It's just like this flood of things that have been said before and things, you know, once it starts to get traction, it becomes a thing thing. And so in the car today on the way over here, um, we started talking about collective intelligence and, and, um, and I was just saying, I, you know, I'm, I just feel like we have to be careful because already this notion of collective intelligence is starting to park. It's right. starting to ossify. It's starting to become, you know, another one is sense making. Mm -hmm. Now, these are both terminologies that I myself have used. So I'm not criticizing the terminology or the people using it. I'm just saying, heads up, the context we live in wants to jargonize things. Mm -hmm. And when we jargonize them, we don't look around the corner anymore. Mm -hmm. You're not in that raw improvisational space. Mm -hmm. You're not off script. Mm -hmm. And so that, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you get where I'm coming no, I, from. I hear you. I hear you. We've, it feels to me we're circling around this thing, which is something like, 
Actually, what matters is being here now and showing up as we are and as we can for, and the second we begin to say for what, all of a sudden then we're going to do something that's going to look a bit referential with respect to the story we take ourselves to be a part of and perhaps a vision we might suggest is one worth moving towards. Mm. So we are trapped here and I would suggest perhaps even on, on this point it might be something of a double bind. I was just going to say. Damned if we do and damned if we don't. We are in a double bind. Mm -hmm. And um, But what's exciting is the tension. Okay, that creative tension in this double bind is filled with possibility. So, you know, to, to, to take that, that frustration and let it show me what it is that I'm wanting to express that the, that somehow the meme culture or the, the, the scripted referential processes are shutting out that, that, that that's this moment of, if I can look, look work it's rigorous okay so this is about being there but even when we say show up it can sound kind of passive and it can sound mm. kind of um scripted yeah it's not easy it's a really serious attention mm. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an attention that is not just intellectual, it's emotional and it's physical and it's cultural and it's, it's, it's nonverbal as much as it's verbal. Um, and so that's what I'm really calling for is to develop that attention mm. to the, the kind of information that we are and we are within that I would call warm data. Um, that that is actually not on the page. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what does it mean to work with that clay? Right to be in that. To transform. Yeah. To and transform. What it transforms is not the ideas, mm -hmm. but the space behind the ideas, where mm -hmm. the ideas are bubbling up from. What is the, the, the petri dish from which these ideas are bubbling? What kind of aesthetic mm -hmm. are they? And there, there your question of fear comes in again, right? What's, what is that, that place from which, and it is scary. You know, I mean, I, I look at the world right now and I have a bunch of kids and I'm scared for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that that fear misinforms me because I also love this beautiful world. Took a walk in the forest yesterday in New Zealand and it was just the vast, beautiful interaction of all of these living processes across time and um, so hmm. again, it's coming back to that notion of isolation, isolation of the individual, isolation of the emotion, isolation of the idea, isolation of the intention, isolation of the 
even isolation of the aspects of myself from which I'm speaking hmm. and trying to drop into that place with you here now where I'm still seven years old. I'm in that, you know, I referenced the 80s and the punk rock mm -hmm. version, and I'm still that that person who was pre-kids, who had all sorts of dreams and horizons. And, and then I'm also this person now, and recognizing that if I can be present with that, if I can be with you, which is really about being with me too, right? Because mm -hmm. I have to be okay with it. But we are complex. Mm -hmm. And that is not just um, fodder for the groovy meme machine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Something that came up just towards the end. That you are the punk rocker. You are the mother. You are before you had children. You are seven years old. Being here in the context of all of that, if that is, I mean, I suggest perhaps to the to the extent that that is presenced and embodied out, and it feels to me very much that's the case. That is what. That is the potential that I can relate to and be inspired by. Mm. I can switch on things in myself. Things in me are switched on when I witness or I'm in the presence of an elder or someone who is simply really, uh, the way we're talking here, presencing themselves mm. in that complexity without just getting it's this perspective right now and they're coming at me like I need to be that thing it's like well hang on there's something behind there's something behind the eyes there there's something behind this I'm not quite sure if this is this is happening now is it does it apply to me moving away from here it's almost mm -hmm. like there isn't there's something deep that's it's kind of enables what it does is it enables that which is perhaps less developed or wants to find its voice, but might feel vulnerable, does not feel as though it can mm -hmm. presence itself. It's like, oh no, there is, there's something strong here. There's something that is, um, yeah, there's, it's like, it's, 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 it's fertile. It's, uh, there's potential there that's nourishing somehow. Something that I'm very interested in is, is um, presencing that which is of, <laughs> is of value to people. I'd quite like I'd quite like to be a good person. That seems like a reasonable goal. I, what does that mean? I, it seems to me we're in developmental relationships with the world and each other, and we are all winding our paths, mm. and we are all in some sort of continuity with each other, and we are all in different places. Mm -hmm. You can't change anyone. You can't wrestle someone along although you can wrestle someone along but not all of them's coming with you and you might be having to silence part of them that really wanted to just dance their way there and perhaps go in a different direction but no you're yanking them and so they're having to switch off part of themselves and being sort of forced along in that direction it, it's mm -hmm. not it's not appropriate it's that top down not 
really being open in some important sense to the developmental capacity and needs maybe of those around you and so it seems like we can maybe do something like hold out a hand and perhaps it's taken perhaps it isn't perhaps someone feels an intimation that there is something loving there somewhere they might part of them might feel as though they might want to be or something might be where they might want to be and perhaps it's just like that little light it's like something on the horizon just shimmers for a second and it's mm. like oh there's a more there's a space to move into somehow there's a space over there to move into and it maybe it goes you know maybe that falls away from attention again but there's something that's been opened up mm -hmm. about the complexity that we can participate in then feels like oh there's maybe a table there for me one day to sit at and i think that uh i'm remembering this moment where um when uh my ex-husband and i were in the process of separating and um we went to a counselor because everyone said we had to go to a counselor and this counselor it was me that was leaving mm -hmm. and this counselor but we both needed to you know we had 20 great years together mm -hmm. but it was it was time and this counselor said to me why are you leaving and for a split second I started running down the possibilities of why I was leaving. I started to go inward and to form ideas and language and rationalities and justifications around why I was leaving. And then I recognized that if I did that, I was actually going to concretize a story that I would then have to live within. And that if you ask me in five years or two months, I will have a very different understanding of this. And so what's, what's important about this in terms of our conversation is the recognition of I could not bring my complexity to that question. She asked me a question that was an invitation to reductionism. And it was so culturally justified that I almost fell in the well. Okay, but at the last second, I said, I refuse to answer that question because we need to have those, those understandings that will occur have room to occur. Mm. Okay, so this is what I'm really getting at about how, how it is to be in complexity, right? That's an example of that moment of recognizing I can't be in complexity in this question. And how many questions, how many surveys, how many discourses, how many laying outs of four different aspects of the five different versions of the technique of the methodology are all gearing, limiting thinking into particular pre-grooved possibilities. And how are we gonna get out of the mess we're in if we don't start to pay attention to the limits that get prescribed by the way and the things that we express, right? So when, we're, when I'm engaging with you, mm -hmm. I want you to feel mm -hmm. 
like your complexity is welcome in this conversation. We're not going to have a competition. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here mm -hmm. to explore where we are together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that means I have to be really careful the, because the dignity that I can offer to this interaction has to do with watching out for exactly that kind of question. Mm -hmm. why, are, why are you doing this? Well, mm -hmm. Now, if I give you an answer, what will I not be able to say, right? What have I prohibited from coming into the conversation by the very aesthetic of the conversation? Mm. And, and so that's where for me, there's, it's really important to go into um, a lively, looser, but still very attentive, hyper rigorous, deep, poetic, metaphorical um, exploration space. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, I, I, I want to have that be something that is something comfortable something but not so comfortable like a soft chair mm -hmm. comfortable like good hiking boots that make you want to go somewhere mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and um that's really different than us being in competition or generating aesthetics of discourse that are you know based on criticism or polarity um we're going to have to go a whole lot further than we are going right now. And so, you know, in this process of thinking about sense making, part of it is I'm just listening to the baby cry in mm -hmm. the background mm -hmm. and the expression of love and frustration mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. plaintiveness and mm -hmm. disappointment and mm -hmm. eagerness and mm -hmm. exhaustion mm -hmm. and right mm -hmm. i mean that's where we are mm -hmm. and uh, yeah and it's complex mm. we've all cried a lot Maybe some people don't cry as much when they get older, perhaps to their detriment, I don't know. I certainly feel there's some times where tears come to me and they pass before they have their time, and sometimes they don't. But to be that baby crying, and that particular one then, I'm not sure if the mics were going to pick it up, but that baby's just warming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that baby can... That, that those needs can be taken care of, but let's hope they are. <laughs> There's a sense in which we have all been that so deeply, have all been needing love from a space of, whoa, I have no articulate capacity to name what it is that's characterizing this state of, a, like a, it's like a negative affectation. And all of a sudden, everything's up for grabs. My very life before I'm aware I'm a separate thing. It's just being itself. It's like, whoa, something's wrong. Something's wrong here, and it's like, oh, we are we are terrified of that space. There's a chaos in that space, and and 
And it's, it seems to me that rather than it's, it's not what do you do in that space, although we can name certain things about it, we might say accepted or we, we, we might say various different things. But, but it seems to me that the, the cultivation of a community, of relationships with people who have, who, who know and have been to those depths, have been to those places and realize that there is love there actually, that there is a way from there that, 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 that the negative affect of not knowing, and there's a positive affect of not knowing too, but as soon as we step into potential or complexity, all of a sudden we are unsettled and it's going to trigger various parts of ourselves that would have quite liked to be fixed at that moment. You know, they were pretty comfortable and secure. And, and of, of course we like to have walls around us at night so things don't come and eat us. And so it's again, needing to fix the world just for certain times, perhaps to attend to other aspects of ourselves, you know, but, but, we get back into that double bind territory where I'm feeling this link just to reference this notion of elders or this kind of developmental relationship it's that that presence of love is stronger love is there actually at the bottom and that you don't need to know exactly how but that in that shaping up that mode of orientation that breath return to just a being with it and to, it's in some sense to use the word sovereignty and of course that is a meme that is a very helpful one i would suggest at this current time although we might say if that gets crystallized into something too tight and someone feels like hang on a second how these people are being sovereign and the practices they're doing seem somehow to be missing out something authentic in me here that needs to come along and now i'm stuck between sovereignty this and now am i what is that does that get to come along too it's like whatever we're referencing there, this capacity to know through, believe through, trust through, breathe through the not knowing as some mode of orientation. That's really, I, I, in, this, in this context, that's what feels appropriate for me to say. There's something there, there's a glint behind that person's eyes they're part of my setting and, and just in how they look at me, it's like they know or they believe in me. I mean, I could not be anywhere near where I am if I had not been loved as I have been by the many people who have loved me. And knowing what that is in an articulate sense, I'm not here to try and do that. I'm not interested in, in saying it was in this particular regard, but just in that there is a presence that there's some worth and not worth as in a value we can displace from the being of it. It's this notion of soul almost. It's, it's the last, the language I'm driven, drawn to use. It's mm. like in this, in, a, in a, the negative affect of not knowing and, and fear, it's, it's be, be with it. And you are that which transforms through it. And from here we can begin to be with the complexity and perhaps move forward, move anywhere. I'm thinking about um, how we say what we want. Okay, and I'm doing a, so a sort of a new sort of project of community development in several parts of the world right now in this wonderful project called People Need People and I'm so excited about it, but that's another story. But one of the things that I'm really noticing in this process 
that I think ties into what you're saying is that um, this, this conversation turns out to be about voice, about what it is to give voice uh, and to have voice, to share voice. And this is a community question. It's, it's within the process of being an individual within a community, but it's only possible to be in community within a particular set of possibilities. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a relationship there. Right, and they're in the community. All right, so one thing that I'm noticing with this work that I'm doing right now is that there are all these communities that are so deeply fragmented and they're in they need all kinds of things i mean all those that list of everything from you know whatever it is in terms of environmental work to mental health care to education to dealing with um, housing and you were you know saying we just need a roof over our head and we need to be loved and okay essentially all of those things as it stands right now are handled by different institutions and organizations. So the experience of being in community is often a process of having, um, you know, the, the health person come in and offer their advice of how to improve health systems in your community. The education experts come in and they talk about how they're gonna develop curriculum and, you know, build better facilities and blah, blah, blah. And the housing commissions come in and they start to develop housing for people that need housing or work with, you know, runaway rents or whatever that thing is. They're the experts, they deal with housing. The employment people are dealing with employment etc. Doctors, psychologists. Um, and when dealing with this, one of the things that we're noticing with this People Need People project is that if, first of all, nobody ever asked the community what they want. Okay, so I'm just going to let that sit for a second and feel the meme. Just feel the meme. <laughs> because right there, is one of those things. And what happens is this, ask the community what they want and they have absolutely no other possibility than to respond based on what's on the menu. Okay, and we're back in the same epistemological double bind trap of everything that they can ask for being already compartmentalized, fragmented and siloed. You see, so this is what I mean about what kind of voice, what kind of communication is given to offer a different kind of response where there's an invitation to go beyond the expectation of what's on the menu. I mean, if you sit down in a restaurant and I say, what do you want to eat? Hamburger. You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna look <laughs> around and think, what do they have here? Right, what's on the menu? Yeah. If you're in a, you know, a, a noodle shop in, on the beach in Vietnam, you're probably not going to say hamburger mm -hmm. because you know it's not on the menu. Mm -hmm. 
right? So this is an important sort of way of looking at how we are with each Absolutely. other and and how much generosity mm. we can afford mm. toward getting to a new mm. dimension of mm. questions and communication. Mm. Because right now, it feels like there's, we just keep driving ourselves back down the same holes mm. because the patterns mm. drive us there. Mm. And, um, you know, it's that, that question of what do you mm. want? And, you know, in the, in the notion right now of what is your vision for a new future? What is game B? And, and part of the, the beauty of that question is the tension around, well, what's on the menu? What could game B be? And um, how do we begin to think about that in ways that are loose from the existing structures? Yes. Um, it's not trivial. This is not no, a no, trivial no, no. matter. No, no, no. Because it, it's about where the expression and the imagination can even be developed. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It isn't mine and it isn't yours. Mm -hmm. It's shared. It's contextual. So the what's on the menu question is really a contextual question. Yes. What can this context do? Yes. And... Uh, that isn't about the particular silos. It's not about the particular departments. It's and and so that the the need to defragment mm. as individuals mm. to bring that personal voice mm. into the professional realm to bring that that seven year old here mm. with the you know mom of six mm. to this um conversation about complexity and the future of the world that we live in and mm -hmm. the extreme urgency mm -hmm. to get to another we have got to get to mm. another uh you know rip get a little peak hole out of the epistemology frames that we're in so that we can even see another possibility we is you know yeah mm -hmm. and so the love in that is about loving that rigor because it's rigorous that is not a relaxed love that is a rigorous hyper attentive mm -hmm. very tender super alert love mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to catch yourself mm -hmm. okay i will not because I love this person or this community or this world, I will not ask those questions that drive it back down in the same rabbit holes or just I'll try not to. Right. I mean, I might not get it right. Right. Odds are pretty good that I'm not going to get it right. Certain. <laughs> but, certain. but even the, the tonality and the humility of trying mm -hmm. is big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it can be so difficult to articulate questions that take into context this extreme complexity. Mm -hmm. And then to do that in such a way that references also the double bind of really necessity. Because the thing is, 
we can look here at what we're doing. We have cameras, we have microphones, and there's a sense in which we, we are being here together and we can explore as we are. Yet this particular moment did have, despite my intention, a certain artificial beginning to it, which mm. was I picked up the microphone and I began to pose something. And I'm conscious that well, I, I'm, I'm actually less conscious than most people of what's engaging to watch, right? I, 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 I put this first. Mm. Nevertheless, there's a sense in which I am, in beginning by posing a question to you, I have already cut the world in some way. Yeah. I have, and, and so it, it seems to me, in fact, necessary to break the world up, but in so doing to take, to allow through that, the part of ourselves that is not cut, that is there for the is there for the the posing, and is there for that space between, and is there in what comes afterwards. It's an identification, perhaps, with the whole process, and not identifying crucially with one particular part of it. It seems like there's a dance we're doing, at least developmentally. I can begin to dance, and perhaps if I am good, then it looks like one cohesive flow, but. You know, as I know from experience, sometimes I might lose a bit of balance and all mm. of a sudden there's a disjuncture there that if I'm in front of other people, I'm going to experience as a, I might think, oh, someone's seen that or it might be like I'm not quite with it. And that's partly because, well, it's just how much of what, what within is not as ready for the flow as it could be. It's, and so, so much... Um, forgiveness for ourselves for ourselves you know charity for ourselves and that's of course what you're you were referencing there at the end it's it's not clear to me though given the context of our world as one that expresses itself so much through a fracturing or at least the combination of its expression and our perception is one that has a, this fracturing feel it's there it's like that's Maybe maybe we can swim in the ocean, but there's some wreckage we're within and swim whatever way we like. We're going to be hit in the face by some sort of board. Right. So we sort of have to enable that. And the a, a world in which there is simply some flowing harmonic just soness to my being in the world conducive with this whole making. To to we cannot almost by definition name that state. And so it's it's like the i think about these things as deeply as i can and already using the word think from a particular perspective is already cutting the world because we know that's referencing a certain type of cognition that might not be so feeling toned in the moment and embodied but everywhere i turn in my attempt to stay with you and and be smooth and be honest it's like i'm peppered with what comes forth that has a lineage of that which is not as open to complexity and so I wonder how deep that goes when I am thinking about this is it's there's there. So my dissertation, and of course we don't know each other. My dissertation that I wrote about three years ago was called part making, whole making and process. And I was not familiar with so many wonderful thinkers. I had not heard of you. I, I wish I had. And in so many ways, I mean, um, work I've encountered after writing that is like, oh, wow, look, all these amazing people saying what I was beginning to bite my teeth into with so much more articulate, you know, and, and depth to them. The metaphor at the time that I found closest to express what I saw as an image 
I'm interested in what you feel about that. I'm not proposing it as anything other than something that might be helpful, might be not. But it was this idea of a water wheel, a certain kind of water wheel. And I haven't said, spoken about this in what feels like a year and a year and a half now. It's sort of fallen away and I've been following other terms. But there's, so you can imagine the wheel, it's being borne along by the water and the stream pushing through it. And these kind of um, casks or kegs that are being pushed by the water sort of pick it up as they are submerged and then they lift up and they're lifting the water and as they come out and are you know emerged in their own holes but other sort of parts call that kind of part making and the whole making occurring when the stream's pushing it and then the whole process itself requires both parts or the balance of the water wheel won't hold it won't be moving properly and so we have the whole making here, we have the part making, and then we have the whole process which characterizes both of them together. And without one, there cannot be the other. It's absolutely a relationship. And we are all of that thing happening all the time. And it's just stacks of water wheels on top of one another as far as this metaphor goes. And so how, and, it, and, and whether we are being one more than another, part making or whole making is to do with this, how we pay attention. It's where our attention goes. And then we can speak about meditation and contemplation and various mystical states and perhaps psychedelics and various things that enable a kind of being with the full gestalt without looking to cut it up and seeing and feeling yourself as the other, which is self in this non-dual kind of way. Aldous Huxley speaking about seeing himself, was it in, in, in a chair? You know, um, it's, that, it's that kind of notion, but we slide between being more distrib sort of distributed and everything and then coming back then into our own kind of singularity for what we can talk about the importance of optimization once something's been cut out and then we can talk about the imagination and creativity and being more on the pulse of the sort of entropic creative pulse of our world as it emerges forward and there's certain metaphysical things we'd have to say to enable that to all work together from an intellectual perspective but when i attend to my experience it's it's these moments of deep listening and being with and then bringing as much as I can to bear of what it is I have been with, articulating that, knowing that I've destroyed the thing almost as soon as I've spoken. But I'm not this. I am, I'm, I'm aware that I'm dropping back in again. I, I wonder what the gestalt of that kind of water wheel type feeling, how does that feel to you? I like the, the image of it. I mean, I, I sort of refer to this as the paradox of agency. Mm -hmm. That on the one hand, you have agency. You are you, you have your own frame, you have your own experience, your language, your, you know, everything, the way that you experience life is so you. Mm -hmm. I can't taste the tea the way you taste the mm -hmm. tea. It's your, the way, you know, it's this, from bi biology to culture, to personal history, to experience and heartbreak and, mm -hmm. You know, those times you fell on your knees and when you were a tiny baby and you, you know, ate the carpets, like all of that is part of your way of sense making. And those are specifically your mm -hmm. receptors. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so in that sense, you have agency. You are you. Mm -hmm. But if you ask that question again and you say, where did those things come from? Well, they all came from context. So in a way, you're not you. Nothing of you is yours. Mm -hmm. It all came from your context. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting paradox. 
And it's, a, it's I think, a wonderfully productive paradox as long as you keep the tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what's not productive is to claim that agency and tromp around like you can change everything and it's all up to you and it's your fault mm-hmm. if it doesn't work and so on and so forth. Or to, you know, the flip side of that is to abandon all um, notions of it whatsoever. Agency is a fallacy. I'm just my context and society mm-hmm. made me do it, man. And there's nothing we can do. And the thing is just flowing along and I'm just a bubble in the ocean and I'm just going to flow with it. Um, but there is some tension between those. Mm-hmm. And I love the the Harari was talking about free will in mm-hmm. his latest book and and that you you know you, if you think you have free will you really don't have any free will mm-hmm. you're really delusional that basically we've been you know we we are contextualized what's on the menu is sort of the 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 neurocognitive response to every moment we're in mm-hmm. what's on the menu of response for this mm-hmm. and where do those menu items come from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and uh so if you think you have your free will you're kind of under an illusion mm-hmm. and it's an illusion that particularly has no free but the minute you realize you don't have any free will paradoxically you get a little mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and so that's a really interesting sort of part of this and my daughter a couple months ago i called her up she's 23 and she's in san francisco and and i said how you doing honey and she said oh mom i'm kind of shitty and i said why and she said well i'm trying to figure out how to be a good person Mm -hmm. and i can't figure it out and and i said well what do you mean and she said well how do i be a good person when every single thing i do Every article of clothing, every time I get in a car or a bus, every time I use a piece of technology, every single thing that I do links me to this violent exploitation and extraction of our world. So how do I be a good person, Mom? And this is a really important question. Because what it reveals is something significant, which is that there has been a veneer that has been lifted for her, but I think for a lot of people, where there was the assumption that the structures that we lived within of our justice system and our democracies and our you know, care systems and our language and our education systems and our ideas of success and our ideas of self-esteem and our ideas of what health is and what love is and what, right, that all these things we were in, that these structures provided the structures within which you could be a good person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were the good guys. Whoever we is, but... (laughs) Yeah, whoever we is. But that man behind the curtain has now been exposed and so how what do you what do i say to my daughter okay what does it mean to be a parent in a world where my daughter's asking me this question and speaking of memes there will be no replying to that question 
with any of those. You just got to follow your heart or it's not all up to you or, you know, da, 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 da. Those responses with a kid that's that awake, you can't come back with that or you lose credibility and they lose companionship, most importantly. Mm. Right? So how do I remain in companionship in the process of going into a very unraveling future mm. together? Mm. And so, mm. you know, the only thing I can really say is, as long as you're asking that question, we're on the right track. Mm -hmm. Keep asking the question. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a easy response to that. There will be moments when, you know, the loss that your generation has of having those structures within which you can be a good person. You know, we had that, that was part of the, the, and when I, the world I grew up in, that was part of what was on the horizon. Mm. Mm -hmm. It, and even though I grew up in the household I grew up in, where it was certainly questioned at every right. moment of the day, um, even I felt the lull and the comfort of being held in those structures that I could do that. Now, there's certainly great things that can be done. So, and she's doing great work working with um, uh, addiction and the, the, the trials around addiction, especially in the Bay Area and the opioid crisis and so on. So it's not like she's not doing good stuff, but that's not enough, right? She's seeing the contextual processes that we are within and she's recognizing it's not enough. And here we are in an intergenerational moment of exploration around this, which is, that's really important too. This is not just about a particular set of people carrying forward. This is about this, this <clears throat> new fibering of relationships. Mm. And what is the language that we can even talk about these things mm -hmm. in this making this tissue between us where we are going forward and it's not bullshit. Okay. It can't be bullshit. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, oh. and that's really important. Absolutely. And it's so I'm thinking also about what it means to go into a situation in the minutia of the details but in also in the perception of the context and what a what a, a muscle a, a how do we begin to work that together um and 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 help each other to go there mm. Mm -hmm. because uh that's what we need is the ability to respond to the detail with an understanding of the context. Yes. And, um, you know, if you're just in context, that's, that's missing a lot of the picture too. Mm. You have to also be in the detail. There's this story in my book, um, about the hitchhiker. Did you ever read that this story? So when I was a little girl, my dad picked up a hitchhiker on the road one day, we were driving along the, the highway and highway one on Big Sur coast, which is like mountains and then 
teeny little two lane road and then drop down cliffs. And at, back in those days, there were virtually no pullouts. And he picked up a hitchhiker because he loved people. And this young man jumped in the car with his rucksack and um, we closed the door to, you know, the VW van, right? 1978 or something. And I was 10, nine in the back seat, no seat belt. We didn't have, you know, whatever. We didn't have them back then. So, <laughs> so, um, and my dad's driving along and he's just as an aside, he was maybe the worst driver ever. He was constantly looking for whales and hogs. Too much and, context. He yeah, wasn't just, focused enough on the task at oh, hand. <laughs> yes. so, so, but, but in a moment, this guy pulled a knife on him. And there was a knife pointing at his side as we're driving down this road. And significantly what happened here is that I never really thought about this. But someone asked me, did you ever see your dad in an emergency situation? And the reason that's an important question to our conversation is it's about how we are responding in the moment to the detail with the complexity on board on bone in blood okay mm. so it's not just about the podcasts mm -hmm. <laughs> right it's about can you do this when it counts oh yeah and so he um, and I, I said, oh, no, I never saw my dad in an emergency situation. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe somebody would actually think that that was an emergency situation. So what happened was he's driving along and he looked at the knife and he said, well, hello, what have we here? And then he turned to the guy and he said, how on earth did you get yourself into this? And a conversation began. And there was never a moment in which there was a spike of adrenaline mm -hmm. in that car. The spike never happened, which is why I never recognized it as an emergency. Mm -hmm. Because his fluidity mm -hmm. with complexity was so on board that when there was someone sitting next to him with a knife in his side on a two-lane road with his kid in the back seat... He still responded to the, the, the nest of stories that this young man was living through. And so he didn't respond to the knife. He responded to the person. He responded to the person in, in all these different contextual ways simultaneously. You can't game that. Mm -hmm. That's not a game. Mm -hmm. That is... You can't script it, you can't pretend it, you can't make a methodology for it, you can't have a strategy, you can't plan it. It requires deep and lifetime dedication to looking for contextual material in every detail, every detail. And then and, and that's what it looks like. So that's important that that's what it looks like. But in that story, there is so much theory. There is a lifetime mm -hmm. of communication, of mm -hmm. physiology, of, 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 you know, not only psychology, but of, of studying systems and cybernetics, of looking at responsiveness, of thinking about calibration, of, right, a 
until you've thought about it and lived in it and studied it and studied it and looked at it in several different contexts and folded it over and over on itself until in that moment, that's how you respond. Mm -hmm. And we drove another 45 minutes in the car. And then as we pulled over when we got to where he needed to get out and my dad gave him a big hug and a little money and our home mm. phone number, <laughs> mm. right? And said, you know, if you need anything, I'm here. And so I think that also ties into this thing that you were talking about, about love. Mm, because it's not love in the sense of Hallmark cards or, or, or you know, pink puffy projects. It's it's love in the sense of brokenness and capacity to be in your own brokenness and be with somebody else's brokenness and go forward together. And what, what, what does that feel like? What does that feel like? How do we, you know, if we're going to script some stuff, let's, let's think about what those stories can tell us about what's even possible, who it's possible to be, how it's possible to be, and what difference that might make personally, in our communities, in the you know, general scope of global politics, God forbid, in the way we think about economy, etc. And, you know, certainly gender and sexuality and, and um, religion and spirituality and all these things that we can pick apart and pick each other apart over. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to chop each other's heads off. Or not. To love so that you value, enable, co-reciprocate the dignity in each other, in that brokenness, and in so doing, that, that very valuing of that the capacity for there to be some continuous valuing between that which can be so experienced as broken. This seems to me, as far as you can state with language, to be on the pulse of the movement towards wholeness, a necessity of, of the whole making. It's a deep, a deep belief, a deep knowing. It's deeper, it's deeper than belief. It's a, it's a deep knowing of the dignity and the, the reality, the unique, indispensable moment, duration, essence, soul of that which you are with, that which you are, and ultimately that which is continuous between you and is beyond the words and is totally off the script. And it can't be hacked. Mm -hmm. It 
right? Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. So this mm -hmm. is where I feel like our community of clever people talking about complexities and game Bs and this is and that's um, that this is something for us all to be so careful with every moment is to think about how we're going to go forward without hacking the process of going forward mm -hmm. because um, then you then the capacity for response to those details and where they might lead becomes um, obscured. And so it's, it's really important that, that there's a lot of care. Oh yeah. Right. So in, if you think about the parenting that happened in that moment, mm. Mm -hmm. so let's not think about that thing as how you deal with a guy with a knife. Mm -hmm. Let's think about that story that I just told you in terms of how you parent. What did I learn about life in that moment? What world was I invited to live within in which that was the communication possibility? Right? That's the question. So it's... I feel it. Yeah. And it's a, it. it's a really significant difference of what is this world? And so when I'm dealing with these questions around fear and the unknown, they're not dangling meat, mm. right? I'm not out on the edge of a precipice mm -hmm. because when I was little, I saw it held in contextual affection mm -hmm. and extreme rigor and there was humor and there yeah. was you know the pain was never diminished but neither was the folly of humanity right and so so that changes the the positioning to begin with mm -hmm. and maybe that's something to be really working on like if we're going to work on something maybe that's what we really need to work on is how do we shift the baseline from which we're even talking about the unknown oh and to presence that to presence that quickly without taking care in the presencing of that would strike me as very dangerous then very dangerous but totally dangerous not to oh yeah we are far so, more dangerous it's again it's yeah. a double bind it seems something that's come up for me a lot recently and i don't think it's quite the right language to introduce and play with but it's something to do with this notion of of um that which opens and that which closes something which came up also there was with this um, young man who had the knife, there was a sense in which what there was in him, which was involved in him making that action, was not 
It wasn't repressed. Well, whatever was real that caused that situation to occur was exactly. not repressed. So it's an opening, it's enabling of what we are in our fullest extent. It's not to, to, to shut our eyes to what we may have the potential somehow to be. Yes. And this is why the memes are driving me crazy. Mm. Because there's this sort of need to present this possible future where we get it all right. Mm. And we're suddenly whole again. And that wholeness is beautiful. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, actually, this wholeness and this capacity for complexity and the capacity to do transcontextual understanding and to sense make in this space and to have collective intelligence, right? There they all are, stack, 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 stack. <laughs> that all of that is actually going to be really messy and it's going to be kinky and it's going to be weird and it's not going to be it's not going to make sense it's you know one of my favorite complexity thinkers on the planet right now is cardi b wow wow she's nailing it mm. and it's messy as hell mm. and it's funky and you know she, when she is expressing herself you, take a look oh yeah Oh, I don't mind taking the odd look at stuff like that from time to time. Yeah, and, and that's, but that's where I'm really seeing the, what the future looks like. It doesn't look like something clean and clear. Mm. It looks like the ability to have, hold each other in the mess mm -hmm. and to have fun with it and to get funky with it and not be afraid to get pissed off and not be afraid to get, you know, stop tampering with the sense-making and saying which senses are okay and which ones aren't and which, which modalities are okay and which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. But to, like you said, that, that guy with the knife, there was no repression there. No. It was simply, what have we here? Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel the complexity of that. I also feel that we're coming to the end of this recording. I feel it too. I feel it. <laughs> I also feel that we're coming to the end of this recording. And um, yeah, Nora, thank you so much for being here and um, speaking with me and dialoguing with me. It's been a, a real pleasure. It was so fun. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And you know yeah. what? We had no idea what we were going to say. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. And now we're going to get some lunch and I've got yeah. some water. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening as a podcast, remember to subscribe and hit the bell to track upcoming releases. Much love.